Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, one and all. This is Parkinson's Recovery, and I am Robert Rogers. Those of you who are new to Parkinson's Recovery may be thinking, what in the world is Parkinson's Recovery? This is the place to be, and this is the place to come. If you're looking for ways to get sustained relief from the symptoms of Parkinson's, I'm a researcher, and I look anywhere and everywhere for places, for people, for therapies that are making a difference. We've been able to identify many, many different approaches people are using that are making a huge and significant difference to them. And we air our show almost every week on Wednesdays at 3 p.m. Pacific time. And again, for those of you who are new to Parkinson's Recovery, we have many, many different websites and services and support systems. The one detail I want everyone to know is if you're listening live to this show, you can grab an archived recording of the show after it airs, and you can dip into any of the shows that have aired over the last several years. You can listen to the shows at your computer, or you can download them to an MP3 player and play them as you exercise. My guest today is a very special person who I had the opportunity to actually meet at the Parkinson's Recovery Summit that we held in Vancouver, Washington in March of 2011. Lexi is a quite remarkable individual, as you will soon discover. There is a video that was taken of her giving a very brief presentation of her own experience. If you'd like to be able to uh, bolster this particular program with a visual image of her and her presentation, you can go to the Parkinson's Recovery blog, and that particular address is found by just going to the main website, Parkinson's parkinsonsrecovery.com, and you'll see a link there to the blog. It's always easy to get to Parkinson's Recovery because you really just have to remember two words. The first word is Parkinson's without an apostrophe, and the second word is recovery. If you'll type those words into any search engine, you'll see that the first result turns out to be parkinsonsrecovery.com. That's the portal website to all of the other website interfaces that I've designed, developed, and supported to provide help to individuals who are looking solutions to whatever symptoms they might currently be experiencing. Lexi, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for agreeing to be on the show today. Well, thank you, Robert. It was such a pleasure meeting you, and um, it is my pleasure to be allowed to be on your show today, so I thank you. Tell us about yourself. Uh, Well, I'm a 63-year-old woman. I'm married. I have no children. I have a couple of furry ones that are my children, but... um, uh, That's it. Um, I have had a professional career in the cosmetic industry for about the past 30 years, Um, a career that I just loved. It was very high pressure, very high stress, but um, it was one that um, I really enjoyed. I am no longer working as of January 1st because I have been diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. And um, I was actually officially diagnosed with Parkinson's disease with all the cardinal symptoms of Parkinson's in October of 2008, although it was interesting because I had symptoms long before that, beginning about 20 years ago. A very unusual thing happened to me. I totally lost my sense of smell, and I just could not figure out what in the world was wrong. And um, I asked my doctor about it. He didn't know what it was. And I now know that that's one of the cardinal symptoms of Parkinson's disease. It's a pre-symptom that one can have oh, up to 20 years before having, um, be, or having been diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. So the loss of smell is really something to watch for. Um, I also had urinary incontinence, which was very unusual for me since I'd never had children. 
so I went to a urinary specialist, and he said he just couldn't figure out why I was having this problem. He did some very extensive testing and found out that I had bladder spasms for some reason. And I asked him what the cause of bladder spasms would be, and he said that, um, you know, it could be one of two things or it could just be idiopathic. And so I asked him what those two things might be, and he said it could be either MS or it could be Parkinson's disease. So, of course, I'd had no symptoms of Parkinson's disease, so that didn't even enter my mind. And then I got a little panicky thinking I might have MS. So we did an MRI, and there was nothing that showed up that I had MS. So I was thrilled. I thought, well, it's idiopathic. It's no big deal. Little did I know I had Parkinson's disease. Um, I also had um, a problem with insomnia that started about that same time. I'd never had a problem with sleeping, and all of a sudden I had this chronic insomnia and anxiety, really severe anxiety. So I treated those symptoms with um, sleeping medications and antidepressants and just kind of, um, you know, just went along with my life and did the best I could. And then in October of 2008, um, I remember I was sitting in the bathtub and I had one foot over the other and my right toe was tremoring and I was just like, what's that all about? And I just, I called my husband in and I said, look at my toe, my toe is shaking. And um, then um, I was noticing, I was walking out in the yard and I was noticing that my right foot was not picking up. I was having a right foot drag. I was like tripping. It was like um, my brain wasn't telling my, my foot to lift up. And I was just, I was tripping. I was falling. I was having to be very careful going upstairs because I was falling on my face. I fell a couple of times. And so that really scared me. So then I went to my um, regular physician, and he examined me, and he said, you know, it might be Parkinson's disease. He said, I hope it's not, but I'm going to send you to a neurologist. So I went to a neurologist. I actually conferred with three neurologists to confirm my diagnosis, and um, I was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. Um, so, of course, I was devastated. Um, what upset me the most about my diagnosis was the fact that there was no cure for Parkinson's disease. I'd look at these neurologists, and I'm just like, you mean there's no cure? And they said no, and I said, well, do you think that there would be a cure in my lifetime? And it was interesting because all three of them said no, and that, of course, was very discouraging to me because I'm not the kind of person that can accept that kind of an answer. <laughs> In the meantime, um, my Parkinson's got worse. I was having some severe problems with bradykinesia. It was like I was walking through quicksand, and that was one of my worst symptoms. Um, I had pain and stiffness. I had problems with balance. I had debilitating fatigue. And I just had no motivation to do anything, which was a real problem because I had a really high-pressured, high-stress job. And I also found that um, I had the inability to handle stress. It was like I could just no longer handle stress anymore. And then I had this strange, weak feeling in the back of my legs. I was just a mess. <laughs> um, I had a shaky voice, and my voice was so shaky that when I was talking to my clients on the phone, it was hard for them to make out what I was saying because my voice was just very, very trembly. And I had constipation and all of those non-motor symptoms that go with Parkinson's disease. And I think that's one of the reasons that they call Parkinson's disease a boutique disease because there are cardinal symptoms, but there are some symptoms that are unique to different individuals. So um, I decided that Western medicine was not going to be able to cure my Parkinson's disease after conferring with three neurologists. My last neurologist, I'd actually gone to the Mayo Clinic, flew down to um, Arizona, and uh, decided after my diagnosis there that I, do have, I did actually have Parkinson's disease. So that's when I started um, really looking at other alternative forms of medicine, something that would give me hope. 
All the neurologists could give me were Band-Aid medications that only masked my symptoms, like the PD agonists. I started on the PD agonists. The one that I started on was Requip, and that was a disaster for me. Um, I had a lot of side effects with that, um, one of them being falling asleep while driving four times in rush hour traffic. Oh, my goodness. Oh, yeah, that was pretty serious. And um, another one was I had a compulsive shopping addiction. And I'm not the kind of person, I'm a woman, most women like to shop. I'm not a woman that really likes to shop that much. But I had this compulsion not to go to Nordstrom, but to go to the Goodwill. And I just, I could not pass the Goodwill store that was about a mile from our house on my way home from work. I just could not pass it without stopping it. <laughs> what is wrong with me? It's just like my steering wheel was just heading towards that Goodwill. And I would spend an hour in there or longer until my husband would finally call me and ask me where I was. And I got to the point where I was lying. I was telling him, I'm at the grocery store. I'll be here pretty soon. <laughs> And um, it was um, it was pretty severe. I thought, gosh, you know, this is this this is not normal. So I told my neurologist about it, and she kind of laughed because I was shopping at the Goodwill. At least I wasn't breaking the bank. But she said, this is not the medication for you. So she put me on Cinemet, and um, I did much better on Cinemet. But Cinemet was just another band aid. And so. Um, uh, Parkinson's disease research became my part-time job, and it really paid off. I discovered low-dose naltraxone about two and a half years ago, and it has allowed me to titrate off of all of my PD medications. And today, um, three years later, after my diagnosis, I don't look like I have Parkinson's disease, and my symptoms are very, very minimal. Um, I have a right hand and right foot and right arm tremor um, if I get really anxious or if I'm over-exercising, and on occasion I get bradykinesia, but other than that, I, I'm just doing fantastic. The wonderful solution you discovered then is called low-dose naltraxone, or some people know that as LDN. What? is LDN. Well, LDN has been a miracle for me. Um, Low-dose naltraxone is a safe, inexpensive, yet underused drug that's extremely beneficial with patients that have any condition marked by immune dysfunction. Um, the great thing about this medication is that it has been used in much higher doses for decades. Um, to help people and patients recover from addiction to alcohol, heroin, and other opiate drugs in high doses. Naltraxone by itself is a class of medications called antagonists, opium antagonists. And in high doses of 50 to 100 milligrams, it works by decreasing the effects of opioid medications and street drugs. So it really had a, a very important function, and it was FDA approved in these very high doses. Um, however, in the 1980s, a New York City physician named Bernard Bahari um, who was a medical doctor, discovered that very low doses of naltraxone had profound effects on the immune system. And so he began giving patients with AIDS 1.5 milligrams to, to 4.5 milligrams of low-dose naltraxone at bedtime. And, Robert, they had remarkable improvements. He then tried it with patients suffering with cancer and autoimmune disorders, and he had equally good results. Today, LDN is recognized as a highly effective therapy for conditions ranging from cancer to autoimmune disorders to autism to Parkinson's disease to MS. There are so many diseases that it is helpful for, and um, that's one of the great things about low-dose naltraxone. Um, lupus, uh, rheumatoid arthritis, can different cancers, chronic fatigue syndrome, and, of course, my success has been with Parkinson's disease. 
There is a posting on the Parkinson's Recovery blog last week uh, where we had a, a very quick summary of Lexi's story and also a link to a website. I actually visited the website, Lexi, and I watched the video, which is quite quite eloquent explanation of exactly how this works. So if you'd like to get the scientific detail, that's a nice visual image of exactly how it works. But we're not visual here. Can you explain to people how LDN does work? Okay. And um, first of all, I'll give you that website so you can actually see what Robert had looked at with the LDN. It's www.ldnscience.org, and you can actually see the visual, as Robert had mentioned, of how it works in the body. Um, what LDN does is it works by boosting the levels of endorphins, and we all know about endorphins. Endorphins are peptides that are produced in the brain and in the adrenal glands, and they're best known for relieving pain and enhancing that sense of well-being. They're responsible for runners when they have the runner's high that's brought on by strenuous exercise. They get increased endorphins. But these natural peptides are also powerful modulators of the immune system. And when LDN is taken at bedtime, it actually attaches to the opioid receptors and temporarily blocks your own natural endorphins um, from producing. And what this does is it signals the body to increase the production of endorphins because everything has been sh shut off and the body goes, hey, wait a minute, I don't have any endorphins here. And so it helps to orchestrate the activity of stem cells, natural killer cells, and other immune cells. And as a result, LDN enhances the body's ability to fight disease. And that's why it's so good for so many diseases. People always say, well, how can one drug help so many diseases? Um, it seems like an impossibility. But the reason is is because your, your immune system is being enhanced. I'm guessing that I can't go to my local drugstore and be able to go to the pharmacist and get an LDN prescription, that I really have to get that from my doctor. How do I get a prescription of LDN from my doctor? Well, yes, you do need to get it from your doctor, and it's preferable if you get it through your neurologist. Um, however, I will say that it is not an easy thing to do because LDN, low doses of naltrexone, are not really known um, to our doctors and our neurologists. So the best thing to do is, um, since it is a non-commercialized treatment and doctors are never going to learn about it from a drug company sales representative, because there are none, LDN is a generic drug, and um, many doctors are afraid of prescribing things off-label or doing something that their colleagues don't do. So the best chance of getting your doctor's cooperation is by showing them scientific basis for your request, like referring them to the ldnscience.org website, and just bringing in the pages and showing them the studies that have been conducted to date. And sometimes that will convince your doctor that there is sufficient basis to experiment with LDN. Um, Unfortunately, it did not convince my neurologist. I had a very well-known neurologist in the city in which I live, um, and um, she just um, was very reluctant to prescribe it to, to me. It took me about four appointments to be able to get LDN. Finally, I cried, and I said she was giving me no hope. And I said, I have to have hope. I can't just take Band-Aid medications and, you know, what's going to happen to me in five years? What's going to happen to me in ten years? So she looked at me and she said, you're right, you need hope. And she researched LDN. The next morning she called me and she said that she would write a prescription for LDN for me. What she had done is she had actually contacted the manufacturers of Azelect and, 
and asked if it was okay for me to take Azelect with low-dose naltraxone, and the research department told her, yes, it was fine. And I thought it was interesting that the research department at Azelect knew about low-dose naltraxone, but my doctor didn't. <laughs> um, and then I agreed to my doctor that I would take it at my own risk, and the rest was history. After that, she we had a much better relationship. I was taking LDN, and every time I saw her, every three months, I was getting better and better and better. And the only thing she could attribute that to, or I could attribute that to, was LDN. She said I was having a tremendous, a tremendous placebo effect. But I knew better. Whatever you call it, it's a wonderful outcome. <laughs> right. <laughs> and as a, as a side note, I have had conversations with a number of individuals who've given a report that's really very similar to yours. They've approached their doctors, whether a neurologist or a family doctor, and requested a prescription for LDN. And the response was, of course, uh, hesitation, some concerns, lots of questions. But in every case, for every individual, the report has been that they finally did convince their doctor to go ahead and do the prescription, and the results uh, turned out to be quite positive. So it does take some persistence apparently, at least based on, on the conversations I have had, and very clearly your experience would suggest the same. Uh, but you, chances are if you just are persistent, you'll be able to uh, get a doctor to prescribe this. What's the best time of day to take LDN? Oh, um, nighttime is the best time to take it because that is when you want your natural endorphins to shut down when you're sleeping. So you want to take it right before you go to bed. And for about three hours, your natural endorphins shut down. And then um, the body says, wow, where's my endorphins? This is something that, you know, I'm not used to. And all of a sudden, it starts making more endorphins. So you get an increase in endorphins. And um, then you wake up in the morning, and it's always, always best to take it at night because you don't want to shut off those endorphins during the day. You mentioned LD. Oh, I'm sorry, Robert. One of the things that I did want to mention, too, since we were talking about our doctors, because there are many people that I know that have Parkinson's disease that have asked their doctors, a couple of times or maybe more about LDN and the doctor says no, no, no. Um, the one clincher for getting a prescription is if you say that you will take it at your own risk. And they write that down in your chart and when they know that you're taking it at your own risk, they feel less liable if there's going to be an issue. So that's always a good thing to say. Great suggestion. You mentioned LDN is used to treat addictions of all sorts. Is LDN itself addictive? No, LDN is not addictive. However, when you stop taking LDN, it's possible that the symptoms of the disease um, may recur. And I can give you an example of that. Um, my husband and I were on vacation. We were gone for four days, um, actually five days. And of all things, I forgot all my medications. And at that time, um, I had titrated my cinnamon way, 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 way back to almost nothing. And of course, I was off my Requip and I was on my Azelect. But other than that, LDN was my primary treatment. So we got down to this little town, this little podunk town that happened to have a Rite Aid. And I'm just in a panic because I'm thinking, okay, I don't have my LDN. Maybe what I can do is go into this Rite Aid and at least get some Cinemet and some of the other meds that I used to take. So sure enough, I went down there. They called my pharmacist, and my pharmacist um, told them to give me a five-day supply of Cinemet, Azelect, and um, the medications that I, uh, also Xanax, because I knew I needed Xanax. I was getting very anxious. And, but I could not get LDN, because LDN is a compounded medicine, so you need to get it from a compounding pharmacy. So I went away thinking, well, I'm going to be okay for a few days. And I have to tell you, I was in very, very bad shape. I could not wait to get home. I was taking about five full cinema. 25 over 100 doses a day, 
And, I mean, that was a huge amount for me. And I was taking Xanax. I was so anxious. And I was taking the Azelect. And I just could not wait to get home. I was just thinking, I just got to get home. And so we were down there for the length of time that we were, and I did the best that I could on the medicines that I, were, that I was on and then came home and took my LDN that night. And in the morning, Robert, I was fine. And I was just back to where I was prior to me not taking it. So you can have that um, um, effect of, you know, the disease coming back. Uh, It can recur. This can happen. So it's a long-term treatment. It's a a long-term commitment. Um, It's something that you'll want to take long-term. It does not cure the disease, but rather it regulates the immune system function. So it's possible that some patients may experience what I did where they have a relapse when stopping it, and others don't. But I happen to have a relapse, and I'll tell you, I will never be without my LDN. Forget my clothes, forget my cosmetics, but not my LDN. Forget your husband. Right, forget my husband, but not my LDN. Oh, he's not going to like that. (laughs) I'm Robert Rogers. You're connected now to Parkinson's Recovery. I interview individuals every week, and many individuals have asked me, can you please transcribe some of these shows? And the answer is yes. We have been transcribing shows where I've done interviews of individuals just like Lexi who are reporting their stories of what they've done to fully recover or to significantly recover from the symptoms of Parkinson's. All of those transcripts are being heavily edited with links and additional information. And what we're going to do is to insert those into a second edition of a book that I actually released in 2008 titled Pioneers of recovery. You can get all the information, of course, by listening to all the radio shows. Uh, The concern that many people have had is, boy, it just takes a lot of time to go back, and some of the shows have aired one or two uh, years ago. So we're going to transcribe those so all the information is readily available and release Pioneers of Recovery here just in the next month. Can an individual, Lexi, take LDN with their other Parkinson's disease medications? Yes, absolutely, and um, I absolutely recommend that you do that because you need your Parkinson's disease medication until LDN kicks in enough where you can start titrating off. So um, I had titrated off of uh, Requip because I had such a bad reaction to it, but I was now on Cinemet, and I was on Cinemet three times a day. So I took LDN with my Cinemet, three times a day, and what I noticed after the second day was I had a sense of well-being. I could just, I just felt better. It was just like the lights went on and my, my brain wasn't as foggy and, and I just had the sense of well-being and it was just a very hard thing to describe. So I continued for about a year to take my LDN with my other PD medications and then I found that I wasn't needing my PD medications as much because I wasn't having any off times. So I slowly started titrating off of my Cinemet. I titrated off of um, a half a dose and then a full dose and then another half a dose and then a full dose and then another half a dose and then a full dose over um, uh, about a six-month period of time until I was completely Cinemet-free and I was thrilled. So, yes, you do want to take it with your other PD medications, and your body will tell you when it's time to start titrating off. You can tell by knowing that your off times um, are becoming less and less. But you want to do it very slowly. The name of this medicine is low dose, so by that, I'm pretty sure that the correct dose is not going to be a high dose. What, however, would be a correct dose of LDN to take? Okay. Um, LDN, the average dose for most people is 4.5 milligrams, and that's what I'm taking right now. 
Um, some doctors start their patients off at 1.5 milligrams and then slowly go up to 2.5, 3 milligrams, and then 4.5. 4.5 is, is basically um, the standard level, but you can go up to 10 milligrams of LDN. I don't know of anybody that's had to go up that high. 4.5 is generally the average dose. And I haven't had, I, I, like I said, I started with 3 milligrams, and I'm doing just absolutely fantastic on 4.5 milligrams. When the doctor prescribes this, then do they specify whether it should be 1.5 or 4.5 or 3 or whatever? Is that how it works? Well, you, you generally ask them what dose you want or tell them what dose you want. Um, and what I would do is I would start at 3 milligrams because that's the average starting dose. And then you can slowly work up to 4.5 milligrams. So 3 milligrams is, is what I asked for and what my doctor gave me, and I did very, very well on that. Can LDN be combined with painkillers? Uh, no. Um, you don't want to use LDN with painkillers um, because it does what you don't want it to do. Um, LDN should never be combined with opiate or opiate-like painkillers because what it could do is neutralize their painkilling effect for several hours, and that could be a big problem. Um, there is no reason why LDN cannot be combined with painkillers like Tylenol and Advil and things like that, but nothing with an opiate or opiate-like base because it was designed to be, uh, um, uh, it was designed to resist um, opiates in the high milligram doses, and so you don't want to have any issues with um, your painkiller not, not taking effect, and you could have a side effect. In your earlier presentation, you made reference to some of the diseases that LDN has been used to assist in addition to Parkinson's. Can you make a pass through that list again? It's rather impressive. What other diseases is LDN helpful for? Yes. Um, well, what's so amazing, and this is what kind of um, kind of threw me in the beginning, was that it is so effective for so many diseases. Um, ALS autism, Crohn's disease, fibromyalgia, lupus, psoriasis, Alzheimer's disease, emphysema, HIV AIDS, um, multiple sclerosis, rheumatoid arthritis, colitis, chronic fatigue syndrome, inflammatory bowel disease, and of course Parkinson's disease, and it is also proven to be helpful for many types of cancers, bladder cancer, breast cancer, liver cancer, prostate cancer, colon cancer, lung cancer, ovarian cancer, just to name a few. So it's just, it's really a remarkable drug and so, so underused because our doctors don't know about it. How much does LDN cost? Well, that's the great news. Um, you know, we pay so much for our drugs. I remember when I was taking Requip, it did not have um, a generic form, so it was very, very expensive. And I'm now taking Azelect. Um, I haven't titrated off that yet because it's supposed to have neuroprotective benefits, so I am taking it. But if my insurance didn't cover it, it would cost over $500 a month for my Azelect. So um, what I do is I take Azelect, and then I take my low-dose naltraxone. Um, my low-dose naltraxone costs $39 a month. So it's wonderful. It's, it's a great alternative for people that have diseases that can't afford these high-priced drugs, and um, it's just doing remarkable things for many, many, many people. Lexi, people... I'm sorry. I was just going to say that um, it needs to be compounded at a compounding pharmacy, so you can't go to your local Walgreens or Rite Aid. You need to go to an actual compounding pharmacy. And one thing that I would recommend is that you go to a compounding pharmacy that has um, compounded a lot of LDN. 
Um, the reason I say that is I went to a compounding pharmacy near my home, and they charged me $60 for it. So right then I thought, well, this is odd. How come it's so much? And they said, well, that's just what it costs to compound it. And, you know, I took the LDN, and it wasn't working. And so I took it back, and I said, you know, there's something wrong with this LDN. I said, I don't know what kind of filler you used or what, but it's not working. They took it back. They refunded it, and then I got it from a pharmacy um, that had um, done a lot of prescribing for LDN. And I'll give you a couple of names. One of them is Custom Pharmacy in Bellevue, Washington. They compound a lot of LDN, and you just give them your information. They'll put it on a credit card and send it to you. Also, Skip's Pharmacy in Boca Raton, Florida, is a very big advocate for LDN. And people from all over the country um, get their prescription from Skip's Pharmacy. Skip will actually, he is the lead pharmacist, and he will actually talk to your neurologist about LDN. He is such a proponent. He has seen so many good results with it. And they also will, um, you pay for it with a credit card, and they'll send it to your home. So it's really easy to get, but you'll probably have to have it mailed to you. I would not just go into your local pharmacy if they've never um, compounded LDN before. If people have additional questions that they'd like to have answered, is there a way that they might be able to get in touch with you? Um, yes. Um, I'm thinking, Robert, is there um, a link on your website that I could have maybe people ask questions, or would you like me to give my personal Oh well, people okay, could whatever just whatever is easier for you. People could just send the emails to me, and then I can forward them to you if you'd like. That would be uh, perfect. That would why don't be we, best. Uh, why don't we just do that, folks? So, if you have additional questions you'd like to ask Lexi, then send me an email, and that email is Robert R O B E R T at Parkinson's Recovery, the word Parkinson's without an apostrophe, combined together with the word recovery dot com. And just uh, let me know, please forward this to Lexi, and then I will literally forward that email to her, and she'll be able to then get back in touch with you and answer whatever questions you might have. Oh, that would be terrific, and I'd be so happy to do that. Um, I did want to let you know that right now, um, as of September 22nd, there is a petition that has gone to the White House, to the Obama administration, to fund national um, institutes of Health Clinical Trials of Low-Dose Naltraxone for Multiple Sclerosis, and that's a start. You know, if we can just get funding, drug companies don't want to do this because they don't make any money because this is a generic drug, so we need to have some clinical trials done because there are so many people that are having phenomenal results with low-dose naltraxone. But if their doctors haven't heard about it and clinical trials haven't been done, then it's just, um, um, you know, kind of becomes a moot point. So I'm going to give um, everybody a website that they can go into, and if they would just click on this website, it'll take you right into the Obama White House website. And it's http colon forward slash forward slash wh dot gov forward slash and then a small g as in girl, a large z as in zebra, and a small a as in animal. And um, if you go in there, it takes about four to five minutes to sign the petition. We need 5,000 signatures. And as of now, let's see, as of about 1.30 today, we only have 648. So it would really, really help the cause if you could go in there and sign that and we could get some more clinical trials done for low-dose naltraxone. Well, that's a wonderful call, and let me support that. So. If you're listening to this call live or if you're listening to the recording, now is the time to take action. So visit that website, get to your computer, sign that petition. If 5,000 signatures are needed, we need to take all action now, which is exactly the same thing that I'll do as well. 
Oh, thank you so much. And they don't ask for much information, and the only thing that shows on your signature is your um, first name, your last initial, and the city that you're in. But we, de we do need to have these um, by October 20th, so we are really needing a lot more signatures. So just to reinforce the call, this is not a specific call for Parkinson's, it's for MS, but obviously it has huge implications for individuals who currently experience the symptoms of Parkinson's. So by signing this, everyone is supporting research on a natural, generic product that uh, obviously can have a huge impact on not just people who have Parkinson's but have many other current illnesses. You have, you have currently been uh, doing incredibly well and have experienced symptoms now for three or four years. For a person who's just been diagnosed and has tuned into this show and is just beginning to get acquainted with what the symptoms of Parkinson's are all about, what would you want to say to them now? Um, what I would say is when you go to your neurologist, and they tell you there is no cure for Parkinson's disease because that's the question that we all ask, please, please, please do not get discouraged. I was so depressed when I had three neurologists tell me that that I just decided somewhere in this world there is a cure for Parkinson's disease. Somewhere in this world I'm going to get help and I'm going to get help for other people. And um, that's when I started researching the Internet and I found low-dose naltraxone. So what I would do is I would ask my doctor right away, um, you're going to need to be on either one of the agonists or Cinemet. I would recommend Cinemet. I was Cinemet-phobic for a long, long time because I'd look at Michael J. Fox and I'd think, oh, my gosh, I, <laughs> I don't want to look like that in 20 years, you know, because there are repercussions. Um, you can be on Cinemet for five or six years, and then all of a sudden you not only have symptoms of Parkinson's disease, but you have symptoms of the cinemet repercussions also. So um, I would ask your doctor right away for a prescription of LDN, and I would bring in uh, information, come armed with www.ldnscience.org information, and tell them that you will take it at your own risk. Now, one of the things that I found is that my doctor, and I won't name names because she's a very predominant doctor um, in the state that I live, um, uh, was so reluctant to prescribe LDN for me, and she finally, of course, agreed, and then she moved to a different city. and. I know somebody in that city that went to her and had a or had an appointment with her, and she now is prescribing LDN to her patients. Ah, uh, right. That is on, that are on LDN, and she was so adamant. I almost feel like that she moved just to save face. <laughs> <laughs> so. Anyway, um, you know, just, just be persistent. Your doctor's going to say no. Don't take no for an answer. You know, there's no reason why you should not be on low-dose naltraxone. Um, here I am, uh, you know, it's 2012, and I don't even have to tell people I have Parkinson's because nobody would know it. The only symptoms I have are occasional tremors when I'm over-exercising, um, and a little bit of radiconasia, but for the most part, I'm fine. Now, one of the things, Robert, that I did want to mention, if I'm going to be at a social function and I'm going to be gone for a long, long time and be up and socializing like a wedding or something like that, every once in a while I will take a half a dose of Cinemet just to make sure that, you know, I'm able to stay up. I don't know if I need it. I think I'm just using it as a crutch, but, you know, it's just, something that I do. Maybe when I talk to you in six months, I won't be doing that anymore. But very occasionally, maybe once a week, I take a half a dose of Cinemet if I'm going to be going someplace where I'm going to be up for a long time. And then another thing that I would suggest is um, there are some things that people with Parkinson's disease have in common. And I would ask your doctor for tests on the following. Um, first of all, I would have your doctor do a blood test for your vitamin B12. 
A lot of people with Parkinson's disease are very low in B12. Um, I was. I had to have injections. Um, now I'm taking a sublingual form, but um, that helps me also. Another thing that people with Parkinson's um, tend to be low in is vitamin D. Um, D is in dog, <laughs> the sunshine vitamin, which we don't have much here in the Pacific Northwest. So I was extremely low in that. And I take 5,000 IUs a day of that just to keep my le levels normal. So that can be done through the same blood test. Um, and then I would recommend that you have a test done to see what your DHEA levels are. And DHEA uh, DHEA is a um, your main hormone in your body that regulates all of your other hormones, and people with Parkinson's disease tend to be low in DHEA. So by supplementing with these, if you find out that you're low, and more than likely if you have Parkinson's disease, you will be low in all of these, and if you supplement, it will really make you feel a lot better. Amazing suggestions, Lexley. Can I transcribe this show and include this into the next edition of Pioneers of Recovery? I'm sure people would love to be able to read about LDN. Absolutely, absolutely. Is there anything else you want to add that we haven't had a chance to discuss? Well, um, if anybody has any questions, I just want you to feel so free to just um, contact me through Robert because I'm just so happy to talk about my experience and and um, I'm the the best experiment that I have. I became the white rat for for <laughs> LDN a long time ago when nobody was taking it, and so I, I feel like that I have a lot to offer in terms of information and how it's helped me and. And I just today don't even feel like I have Parkinson's disease. I feel like that I'm going to be able to lead a normal, long life like anybody else, and um, I just never go there in my head that I'm going to be disabled. It's so important to think positively and to, to know in your mind that you can get well. To make this story and this presentation even more real, I want to remind everyone that you can visit the Parkinson's Recovery blog. This is October the 5th, 2011, and you'll see a posting there of a video of Lexi who's giving an explanation of her story about how LDN has actually significantly improved her symptoms. And that's also my way of proving that on the shows over the last three or four years, I'm not a ventriloquist. <laughs> Everyone, of course, is a real person who is uh, talking about their own experience. And uh, obviously what you've got today is a remarkable discovery of a person who is a genuine pioneer of recovery. Lexi, thanks so much for being on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. It was my pleasure. And I want to remind everyone that there are occasions when you tend to get down in the dumps and you begin to believe that it's not possible to begin to feel better. Be sure to put an idea in the back of your minds that when you get into those low mood states, visit the radio show page and literally click into any of the shows that I've aired previously. There are some amazing reports from individuals just like Lexi, discoveries of people who are figuring it all out. It's a great way to be able to transform a mood and a belief that it's not possible to begin to feel significantly better into one to the truth of it all, which really is a model of the mission behind Parkinson's recovery. We are all about transforming that false thought form that Parkinson's is degenerative and progressive. It's not true. There are many, many people, more and more every day, who are proving, just as Alexi, that it is possible to figure out solutions to the neurological challenges that you're having. So stay tuned. Listen to the radio shows. They're all archived. And for those of you who are new, you're probably thinking, oh, yeah, yeah, but I've listened to these shows before. Now what this guy's going to say is, yeah, and you just have to subscribe for, you know, $100 a month. 
Folks, it's free. It doesn't cost anything to listen to these shows. The blog is free. Most of what I do is free. We do convert some of the information over into books and other forms for people who need it to be in those forms, but all the information is readily available out there. So know that the true belief out there is that the body knows how to heal itself. It just needs a little bit of help remembering how. I'm Robert Rogers. Robert, I just, I'm just i sorry. I just wanted to thank you so much for saying that statement because I say that to everybody. The body has the ability to heal itself, and that statement in itself is so encouraging to people. You don't have to get in the doldrums. You don't have to go down that road of not recovering. You just, you know, just do everything that you can knowing that your body can heal itself. And I, I would like to just very quickly say that exercise is a big part of that, too. Um, when you have Parkinson's disease, I never used to exercise. I had a busy career. I just, I was naturally slender, and I never exercised. And I have to say I'm in the best shape of my life now that I have Parkinson's disease because I do yoga. I go to the YWCA or YMCA. I do Pilates. And I do 50 flights of stairs a day that takes me about 15 minutes. And I have never been in better shape, and I have Parkinson's disease. And I also eat a gluten-free diet. I found that um, a lot of people with Parkinson's disease have um, intolerances to gluten. And if you have digestive issues, you might want to just try eliminating gluten from your diet for a week. And um, if it makes a difference, then you're gluten intolerant. So obviously LDN has made a huge impact on your life, but that's not the full story for you. There are other things that you're also taking seriously that are making a big difference as well. Yes. On the upcoming shows, we've got some exciting guests that I want you to know about. Next week, author John Pepper who has experienced uh, symptoms of Parkinson's for many decades, will be my guest. He's from South Africa, and he'll be talking about his book where he explains all the things that he has done to be able to get sustained and remarkable relief from the symptoms that he has actually experienced. Two weeks from today, my guest is going to be David Leventhal, who is the program manager for Dance for PD. Now, this is a program that's sponsored through the Mark Morris Dance Group in Brooklyn, New York, literally New York City. They have dance groups now in uh, 45 communities across the United States. And David, as well as my wish and goal will be that we can spread this particular program to communities and cities and towns throughout the United States, Canada, and in all continents. So be sure to listen to my show next week with John Pepper and my show two weeks from today with David Leventhal, where we'll be talking about two very different topics indeed. I'm Robert Rogers. This is Parkinson's Recovery, and that's what's happening on the shores of the Puget Sound, where all the women are smart, all the men are handsome, and all the children are truly loved. Know that by virtue of the fact that you have listened to this program, that you are indeed on the road to recovery. Have a magnificent week. We look forward to connecting with you one week from today. Goodbye.